Awesome. Welcome, welcome. Good morning, fam. How you doing? Morning to all of our campuses. I want to do something real quick before I get into the, the meat of the message. Um, if you work with Kids Coast or Custom Student Ministry, could you just stand with me real quick? This now the next gen. Could you just stand so we can just honor you and say thank you? Hidden heroes. Hidden heroes. By day, they're one thing, and by Sunday, they are serving the next gen and helping them find and follow Jesus for the rest of their life. And that's so awesome. And we need more hidden heroes. So, praying that God will tug on your heart during this message. I also want to just, uh, just shout out our Kids Coast uh, staff at all of our campuses and our, our, our student ministry, our custom student ministry staff at all of our campuses. I don't know if you know, I know a lot of times you go, what do you guys actually do? I don't know if you know how much they work and how hard they work, and even after hours, a lot of them work, and so I just honor you and just thank you for being in the trench. And one more, uh, one more recognition, which I think is really cool, because as you know, uh, longevity is just really cool. I think the longer you're at a place, it's just you begin to build more trust, and, and you just begin to see other things that happen, and uh, it's really cool is seeing some of our students who've come out of our ministry now on staff at our church, and so I just wanna shout out, and if I get some wrong, I apologize. I, I thought I got everybody, but if not, text me, and we'll make sure we get it right, but I just wanna shout out Dylan and Robbie, who are at the Johns Island campus, now working with student ministry. It's pretty awesome, and uh, Vern, who is at North Charleston, uh, leading our student ministry, and then Brandon McCain, who uh, is at this campus, leading our student ministry. It's just really cool just to see them come out of our ministry and now placed in ministry as well. All right. I'm a participatory learner and uh, speaker, so I need you to kind of shout back at me. I need you to participate. So here's the thing. Show of hands, I'm gonna ask a series of questions, and you can uh, agree or disagree. If you agree, I want you to raise your hand. If you disagree, just, you know, keep your hand down. Agree or disagree, here we go. The thing, the, all right, here we go. Show of your hands. I just got lost for a second. Um, things are much different today than when you were a kid. Show your hands if you feel like they're much different today than when you were a kid. Okay, I think all of our campus are saying, absolutely. <laughs> Show of hands, there is more anxiety and confusion today than when you were a kid. Okay, show of hands, reset. Show of hands, there is an all-out battle for this generation. Agree or disagree? Final one, show of hands, we are living in an extremely divided world slash culture. Okay, I'm gonna ask one more question. Um, do you I, I agree or identify with this, this quote? He alone who owns the youth gains the future. Would you agree with that statement? Now, can you tell me who said that? I'll tell you. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> he mentioned Hitler in church. <sighs> Scary that we agree that he alone who owns the youth gains the future. In 1975, there was a face of a 17-year-old girl that hit the papers and the magazines and the news uh, all across America. Her name was Lynette Fromm. Squeaky Fromm was her nickname, and she spent 30-plus years in prison after the assassination attempt of President Ford. And when asked, she replied, when I was 14, I was a misfit. I felt like a misfit. I was a misfit at home. I was a misfit at school. And so I decided to run away and I ran across the country and I ended up in California. And I ended up sitting on a street, on a, a street curb and a, a young man came up to me and put his hand on my head and said, if you follow me, I'll take care of you. 
So I followed him. I believed him. Matter of fact, I would still die for this man today. The man's name was Charles Manson. But she said something else that was haunting, and really it haunted me as I read the article years ago. I read this article, and it just kind of framed how I would approach youth ministry and now next-gen ministry. She said this, I decided then that whoever loved me first could have my life. George Barnes says, in the race to a child's heart, the first one there wins. So I'm gonna say a few things. I'm gonna share a few truths and, and, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll gather some things together. But there are two things that are true that will make this message relevant to all of us here uh, this morning. And I know that, oh, the next gen guy is speaking, so I'm gonna check out because he's gonna talk about this or whatever. Please check in because there's something that's relevant for all of us here. And here are those two things. We've all been a kid, right? Do you remember your childhood? Some remember it fondly and others remember it not so fondly. So we've all been a kid. That's a true, true statement. We've all had a parent or someone who parented us. Would you agree with that? But there's another two truths that will coexist at the same time, and here they are. No one has the potential to influence a child like their parents. The church doesn't have that kind of potential. No one has that kind of potential except the, the parent. But here's another truth that coexists with that. A parent is not the only influence a child needs. This is why, this is one of the reasons why the church is so crucial in your life. It's so important that you would widen your circle of influence in your kids' lives. So today, I don't have um, a, flashy, a flashy message. I don't have flashy points. Um, I don't have, uh, you know, over-the-top illustrations. Were you here when I, when I had a deck built on stage or the doors? I don't have any big illustrations for you. What I have is a plea from my heart. I'm calling on all of us, this whole church, whether this is your first time or your hundredth time or you were here with the, the inception of this church, I'm calling on all of us who call this church home to step into this battlefield that the generator is waging for this generation and fight on behalf of this generation. This is not a how-to message. This is a we-have-to message. And so this generation, I don't believe, is a lost cause, but I do believe that we may have lost our cause. So there's a quote that really has, has kind of also um, help be a true north for me as I, I've got some scriptures that are true north and there's some quotes that are true north and this is one. And this morning I wanna call on all of us to recover our hearts and fight for the hearts of others. Recover our hearts. That may mean you, you might need to do some business with Jesus today. And he is wooing you and calling you to himself to begin that relationship or, or restart that relationship with him. Recover your heart because there is a mandate on all of us to fight for the hearts of others and to fight for the hearts of this generation. And I would pray that there would be a face that you could fight for that would begin to be imprinted in your heart this morning. You see, Satan has one agenda, one agenda, to keep the lost, lost. To keep confusion, confusion. And that's the strategy of the enemy, is division and disunity and disconnection. And the fruit of the kingdom of darkness is division, and the fruit of the kingdom of heaven is unity, and the big discussion that we're having right now in the next-gen world is, is one over cultural versus biblical theology. And there's a division that the world and cultural theology um, that we maybe have made excuses for and, and have crept into the lives of our homes and crept into the church and, 
And we need to be a people who will, will go to war, go to fight for that biblical view and that biblical theology for our kids to stand upon and have that foundation to stand upon. Romans 16 says this, I urge you brothers and sisters to watch out for those who come, who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. See, this isn't a new thing. Division isn't a new thing. And society's full of division. There's, there's political divide, there's racial divide, there's gender divide, there's socioeconomics, but I think a common thread is in the generations. And so this morning I wanna talk about the generations. And I'm gonna probably speak more to the older generations. So I'm 45, so I'm gonna talk to the older generation, 46 and up. <laughs> Still the younger generation. Honestly, actually, all of us have a younger generation that we're responsible for. Not just an older generation that may be in their 70s or, or 80s or 50s or in their 40s, but even as a teenager, if there's a, if there's a gap in that generation, there's a generation you have influence over. And so this applies to all of us. You see, it's becoming less and less about left and right and more about young and old. And we're seeing that divide take place. A divided world really needs a united church. Would you agree with that? A divided world needs a united church. So I'm gonna have a little bit of fun with you. I always feel like whenever I preach a next-gen message, I have to like go back to my 80s roots. And uh, I was born in the 70s, and so I go back to my childhood 80s stuff, and so maybe there's some things you can identify with. But we're gonna have some fun about phones, how phone usage is used with the different generations. So the Gen Alpha, which is kind of under five years old, they use our phones like this. They're watching YouTube with ear, earphones on to keep from disrupting the service. This is phone usage in church, by the way. Gen Z, they're age five to 23. Um, they use the phone this way. They take selfies and play with the filters. Um, they'll claim that they're using the Bible app, but you really aren't using a Bible app when you're seeing a kid go like this. <laughs> All right, that's the Bible app. I'm in Romans. Uh, millennials, age 24 to 38, they say that they're, uh, they're watching the church at home on the phone. Gen X, is my, this is my generation. I remember where my Xers at in the house? Any Xers in the house? Come on. <laughs> yeah, we had the best generation. All right. Ages 39 to 54, they scroll through their phones, maybe Google it for fact-checking the preacher, but we're just kind of just scrolling through, just doing work. And um, Boomers, 55 to 74, the phone rings on full blast. <laughs> it continues to ring until it goes to voicemail. It may happen during this service, we'll see. And the silent generation, uh, 75 plus, the phone rings at full blast, they answer it at full blast, and they say, I'm in church, I'll call you back. I wanna show you a couple pictures uh, just to talk about the generational gap and the generational divide, but when you see this picture come on the screen, what does that mean for you when you were younger? It's time to go home. Street lamp comes on, that's curfew, right? What about this picture right here? You see this one. This generation will never understand the strength it takes to pick a window up and down. And then you go through those, those toll booths or you go wherever, you're like, I got it, I got it, I gotta go, I gotta go. Remember the chain ones that you just threw the change in the windows and you didn't get the window down far enough? It's like, Psh. find more, find more. All right, final, final picture real quick, this one. Now let me explain this for a second. Because before there was TikTok and before there was Snapchat and there was Instagram and, and all those great platforms that you would show off your outfit, 
You had to get up and go to the pencil sharpener to show off your outfit, and you walk into the, and you, you, you got, <clears throat> you'll cough, because if they're down doing work, you'll make a, like a, move your chair so they see you, and you're just like, when I got my Jordan 6s for the first time, I was like, everyone needs to see what I'm wearing right now. So, generational gaps. When the generational gaps, it feels like it's getting larger and larger and larger. Why don't you turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. We're gonna stay in there and then just a few other verses peppered in. But Exodus chapter 17, I'm gonna give you some context as you're turning there, it'll be on the screens as well. But Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And this is really the first mention of Joshua in the, in the scriptures, and the, the Malachites were, they were cousins of the Israelites and who lived in the desert, and Isaac had two sons. You, you know who the two sons were? Jacob and, and who sold their birthright for a bowl of soup? Right. And so Jacob had 12 sons, and from them we get the 12 tribes of, of Israel, but Esau also had several sons, and one of them name was Amalek, the Amalekites. Verse eight, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. There's a picture here. There's a picture that I wanna, I wanna kind of paint for you this morning. You see, victory for the younger generation is not dependent on the sword in their hand. It's dependent on the staff in the older generation's hand. It's dependent on the connection to the older generation. You see, when the Israelites were losing, God did not send reinforcements to Joshua who was fighting in the valley. He sent reinforcements to who? You say it, Moses. He did not send reinforcements to Joshua. He sent reinforcements to Moses. Moses was the key. The older generation, believe it or not, is the key, the key to seeing revival, to key, the key to seeing faith transfer. The older generation is key. See, the Joshua sword wasn't the issue, and Joshua's stamina wasn't the issue. It's when Moses got out of position, it became the issue. Joshua's safety was more dependent on the rod in Moses' hand than the sword in his own. Both generations are needed. Both generations are crucial. Both generations are key. See, there is no success without a successor. And if you see any of the next-gen merch that says success equals succession, true success is measured by succession. You see, it's the Mordecai's that fathered Esther's that saved nations, and it's the Moses's that walked with Joshua's that took the people into the promised land. Moses never saw the promised land, Joshua did. It's the Elijah's that mentor Elisha's that sees Jezebel dethroned. It's the Paul's that pour into Timothy's that see New Testament churches birthed all over the world. Paul, when he told Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young, but set an example. See, division doesn't build disciples. A divided world, a divided church, divided culture doesn't build disciples. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I've been doing a deep dive study on some early church fathers, and I've been diving into Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he, he died in the 40s, and he was a German theologian and pastor, and uh, he wrote a book called Life Together. And what he said in this was that we don't merely bear one another's burdens. The true burden is bearing one another, walking with one another. It's not just saying, hey, I'll pray for you. Say, I'll walk with you. Big difference. You see, you have what it takes because you have what they need. You as the older generation, I've had so many say, John, I don't know if I got what it takes to connect with this next generation. Neither do I. But you have what they need. You have what they need. So I'm gonna take the points of the remainder of this message from just a piece of scripture found in 1 Corinthians. I'm gonna read two versions and I'm gonna take the points from the message version. But the first version, the New Living, it says this, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. The message says it this way, keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. The title of this morning's message is Love Without Stopping. The younger generation needs you. The younger generation needs you to keep your eyes open. Again, just going right through scripture just to use those points. Keep your eyes open. May this be a prayer that lands in all of our hearts. Lord, open my eyes wide to see the younger generation as you do. Show me needs and opportunities to make much of you today. Don't let me get so caught up in my own agenda that I miss the appointment you have for me. Would you agree that we need wisdom in this culture? Would you agree that wisdom is somewhat lacking at times? It's lacking in many ways, and wisdom comes from the Word of God. You know, if you want to hear God's voice, you need to read His voice, right? It comes from the Word of God, but it also comes with connection to the older generation. We've got some scars that we can, we can show you, and we can, we can teach some lessons. It comes from the Word of God, and it comes from connection to the older generation. But younger generation, let me say this to you, if you're sitting in this room, let me say this to you. The fruit of wise counsel is safety and wisdom. The fruit of aligning your life with an older, older generation is safety and wisdom. And a lot of times, I'm in this, I'm in this place right now with my kids um, where they don't like to hear all the things I have to say. So I have to say things in bursts, like two-minute bursts, not like 30-minute lectures. Matter of fact, um, my son went on a, on a hike and came back and was saying some things uh, that one of the leaders had said. And I'm like, I've been saying that forever. It's just the way it is, the parenting. A lot of times we take the role of, of the parent, the, 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 you know, the guardian, the you know, discipliner, the raise you up. You need other voices in your life that will be able to speak those same things, biblical truths that, we're, that you're speaking. They just hear it differently with somebody else. Widen your circle. Widen your circle. Deuteronomy says this, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses has laid his hands on him. An older generation had imparted something on a younger generation. This is a picture of relationship. This is a picture of proximity, and this is a picture of walking with. The spirit of wisdom was upon Joshua because Moses was walking with Joshua and was is so close enough to be able to lay his hands and impart something into Joshua's life. Hold tight to your convictions. Keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Stand firm. One generation's compromise will be another generation's captivity. 
And I honestly think we're seeing lots of captivity take place because of generations. May that be different. May we break those chains in Jesus' name. And it can start today. I know we all feel like a failure at times. Same here. Chief failure right here. We can start today. We can start new today. Others may, but I will not. May that be a statement on your heart, the convictions. Others might do this, but I'm not going to. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Others may partake in that. I am not going. That's a statement of conviction. Numbers says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which he, he went, and his descendants shall possess it. May it be said of us, Seacoast Church, and those watching online, you are a person with a different spirit. You walk differently, you talk differently, you believe differently, and you act differently, and there is an authority upon your life, and they would look at you and say, that person has a different spirit. Commitments are born out of conviction, not convenience. So it takes conviction and character to say yes to God, but it also takes unbelievable courage to say no to this world. And this generation needs to see an older generation, needs to learn how to say no. And there doesn't need to be any shame in this place if, if that hasn't happened in your life. Again, you can start today to teach a younger generation to recenter your life, right? To recover your heart and begin fighting for the hearts of others. And finally, give it all you've got. Give it all you've got. Be courageous, be strong. See, it starts in prayer. I'm gonna say this every time I preach, it starts in prayer. The battle begins in prayer, ends in prayer. The younger generation needs a covering. They need to have a spiritual covering. And I'm seeing a generation being killed by the world today, being destroyed by the world. And many of us are in the background frustrated and complaining. And we're not stepping into, you see, we have no right to complain about a generation if we're not stepping into their life. And so turn that frustration that you may have into brokenness. God, break my heart. Break my heart for what I'm watching take place. And I just stand, I stand before you this morning, honestly, saying my heart is, is broken. I believe God's called me in this for life. Um, you'll see a 55-year-old next-gen guy. You'll see a 65-year-old next-gen guy until they say, John, I think you need to stop. But this is my lane. This is my, this is, I, I'm a cultural missionary. But my heart is devastated of watching a generation mistaken and misguided. We need to take the first step. We can't expect the younger generation to step towards us because they won't. A small percentage might if encouraged enough to take that step, but we need to be the generation to take that first step. I had an opportunity to go to Paris Island with a few staff here. Pastor Joel Delft took us a few staff to Paris Island to hang out with uh, the Marines in their, their training camp and, and their, their base camp, and what an experience. What an experience. The first few minutes of the experience was they treated us like brand new recruits. And I'm such a nervous smirker. <laughs> but here's the thing, we had, uh, I asked this question, I said, hey, I was wearing shorts on the way down because it was hot, and I'm like, hey, do I need to wear pants? I just wanna honor, like, I just wanna honor the, 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 the rules and the, the process, and they're like, no, you can change there. So, okay, great. Sliders on, shorts, going down. I'm a next-gen guy, right? So I was just in my hoodie, and, uh, and I show up, and uh, everyone's lining up, and I'm like, hey, 
asked the staff sergeant, I said, ma'am, do I need to, do I need to wear pants? And she's like, no, you're good. But I had sliders on. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go change. I'm gonna put my, my shoes on. So I'm down tying my shoe and I'm seeing them line everybody up. And I'm like, oh no. And I run over and with one shoe untied and one shoe tied, I'm lining up on the yellow feet. And I'm like, starting to smirk because I'm going, I'm that guy. I'm the guy they're gonna target. They're gonna be like push-ups all day because I've got, I can't even dress myself, right? So, but finally they didn't, they didn't call me out, which I was like trying to sneak to tie my shoe. But then they just kind of let us relax. And as we were taking the tour, I asked one of the staff sergeants, I said, we're just in this conversation. And she said something of, of we we're just talking about the different branches and, and uh, she said something about the Marines. And she said, we're the first to the fight. First to the fight. If I could take anything back from my experience with the Marines to bring it into the church context, we've gotta be the first to the fight. We have to be the first to step in and fight. And here's a haunting, haunting verse. Right after a next-gen verse in, in Psalm 78, look up Pssalm 78, you'll see a, an amazing next-gen verse that it's our responsibility to pass our faith down. But then there's a haunting verse, just verses after it in Psalm 78 that says this, the warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. May a generation never see our back. You see, we don't lose by fighting, we lose by forfeit. And when we give up, we give them over. And when not on my watch becomes not my concern, we lose a generation. We lose a generation. And they may never open their heart to you. They may never open their heart right away, but they, didn't, they don't need to open their heart to you for you to storm heaven on their behalf. Starts with prayer, take first steps, point them to Jesus. Our job as an older generation is not to point them to our favorite podcast. It's not to point them to our favorite article. It's not to point them to my opinion. It is to point them to the word of God, the very word of God, his truth and his truth alone, and let them wrestle with that truth. It's to point them to Jesus. Final point, love without stopping. Do everything with love. You see, we're seeing a, a generation that's one of the most insecure and confused generations in history. And there's a sociologist. Any sociology majors in, in, the, in the house? Or sociologists or psychologist majors? Psychology majors, psychologists in the house? There's a sociologist uh, back in the day. His name was Charles Cooley. And he, and he created a concept called the looking glass self. For all you Gen Xers, you can go ahead and uh, start scrolling and looking that up. And basically what the looking glass self means is how I view myself and my self-esteem is not as much dependent upon what I think about myself, but what I think the most important person in my life thinks about me. So who is speaking into their identity? Who is shaping their worldview and their biblical worldview and when the older generation is divided from the younger generation and disconnects from the younger generation, every other voice gets to speak into that identity. It's no longer fathers and mothers. It's no longer elders in the church. It's no longer um, friends. I mean, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it becomes the world. It becomes friends. It becomes their favorite TikTok influencer. Choices are influenced by voices. May we have voice in their life. See, God's heart for his church is generational. It's always been generational. Matter of fact, in my Bible right here, I haven't found them all yet, but as I'm going through the Bible, reading through the word, I have all these little tabs, these yellow tabs, 
And these yellow tabs represent every verse that I found that speaks to the importance of an older generation passing faith to the younger generation. It's generational. Matter of fact, in Malachi, the last chapter of the Old Testament, the last verse of the Old Testament before we have the divide before the New Testament, it says this, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Whose heart turns first? You can speak back. Whose heart turns first? Fathers. Let's just expound upon that. The older generation, the heart has to turn first. Has to turn first and recover your heart today, church. Recover your heart, fathers. Recover your heart, mothers. Recover your heart, older generation, because it's time to fight for the heart of others. Here's a, a very scary um, one that like really wrecked my heart when I read it. There's an article, and I can send you the article if you want to email me or, or DM me or whatever. It says this, kids today tend to claim the faith of the mother, but copy the practices of the father. Fathers, recover your heart. And begin to fight for the hearts of others. They take on the religion of their mom, but the practice of their father. It's our responsibility to move towards the next generation. And this generation needs you. You have what it takes because you have what they need. But it's a lot of work to move towards a generation that you don't identify with, right? Like it's, it's kind of intimidating. Anybody intimidated when they walk around a bunch of teenagers? Even your own? It's like the eyes just start rolling. You're like, come on, I was cool. I was cool. Your friends think I'm cool. No, they don't. No, they don't. One time I went, went to the high school for lunch and I used to go for lunch all the time and, and you walk into this setting and instant intimidation, insecurity happens. And so you find the first student you know and you sit down and you're like, hey, how you doing? I came just for you. And I sat around a bunch of guys and uh, they were introducing me to their friends and, and uh, I leaned over, I shook one of the guy's hands and I sat back down. And the conversation kept going, but in the, in the middle of the conversation, I started having an internal dialogue with myself going, why are you so cold? on your behind. Like, why am I so cold? And finally, there's a lot of smirking that happened. And uh, I'm like, what are you guys laughing at? And they're like, Pastor John, you're sitting on an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> a kid snuck it over when I leaned over to shake his hand. A kid's like, boom, unwrapped. So I grab a napkin, and I'm starting to wipe the chocolate off of my pants. I'm like, come on, guys. And I'm like, leaving the school. I felt insecure in the moment, but we gotta continue to press on and press into their lives. I wanna end with this, um, this, this story, and I'll end, and we'll walk into our response time. Lean in. Lean in to this generation. There's an uh, old pastor in the 1800s named G.W. Rosenberry, and he was on his way to a speaking engagement by training. He noticed the boy uh, that was sitting across from him, but very, very nervous and very agitated. He was moving from seat to seat, looking out windows. And, and so he decided to put his pastor hat on and he got up and he walked over to the boy and he said, young man, can I help you? Is there anything, is there anything wrong, anything that I can do? And the boy began to unload his story. And he said, in just a few miles from here, this train will go right past my house. My backyard sees the train tracks. Three years ago, my father and I got into a, a massive argument and I left the house and I ran away and it has been the hardest three years of my life. And so I 
wrote a letter to my mom and I said, mom, I wanna come home. I wanna come home, but I don't know if dad wants me. And so would you run it past my father too? If he wants me to come home, would you hang something red outside of the house so I know that I can get off at the train station and I can come home? And so some time went on and the boy's getting even more nervous and more, more agitated because the house is getting closer and closer. And he told uh, Dr. Rosenberry, he said, I can't look. I don't have it in me to look. Can you look for me? And so the boy shuts his eyes, puts his head in the corner. And as the train begins to round this corner, he begins to see this house. And Rosenberry stood silent. And he said, son, you need to open your eyes and look. And the boy opened his eyes and he couldn't see anything but red. His mom had hung a giant red sheet outside the window and she hung pillowcases that were red and handkerchiefs that were red and anything she could find red was strewn about the yard and about the house. And the young boy just grew pale and began to weep and Dr. Rosenberry sat in his seat with his head, head in his hands and began to weep, seeing a story of redemption in the moment. The last thing he saw as the train took off from that station, he saw a young man running running to the house of his father. Recover your hearts this morning, church, and fight for the hearts of others. May our hearts turn. May we hang red all over our life and all over this church and all over our house for a generation to know that I love you. I am walking with you. I am in this with you. You are welcome into this place, into this life. You see, you don't have to change the world because that seems daunting, doesn't it? Go change your school, go change the world, but we do need to change something. You have what it takes because you have what they need. Because there's a generation who's saying, whoever loves me first will have my life. I'm gonna pray in just a moment, but I want the campuses just to be a part of this because there's some, some practical ways that we can respond this morning. And some of those ways are this, would you pray? I had a lot of people come up to me after service and say, is there any way we can start a prayer ministry? Absolutely, and I'll figure that out. The Pray For Me campaign, I'll figure that out, and we will get names of students in your hands to fight for these kids. But you can pray, and would you, would you do this with me every day? A few moments. They don't have to be massive prayers because those who live close to the throne don't have to have long prayers. But would you fight for a generation? Fight for a generation. Would you go? Would you step into a, a, a child's life and outside of these doors here at the broadcast campus and outside of the doors of, of your campus and there is a staff member or a leader by a sign that says Kids Coast and Custom, if you're interested in stepping into their life and serving in the next generation because what you have is enough, because you have what they need, would you take that step and step into their world? Be a hidden hero. And finally, would you give? Every year I stand here and, and say that we, we have camps coming up, our kids camp and our youth camp. And we have a lot of registrations. We're trending more registrations, but we're trending less scholarships this year. It's understandable, I get it. But if there's margin in your life, would you consider giving to our camp scholarships? You can do that at camp.fyi. There will be ways that you can see it on the screen. But would you pray with me? Father, we love you. And I'm just so thankful for your call upon all of our lives, God, to step into the next generation's life, to fight for them, to fight on their behalf. When they don't know how to fight, they don't know what to fight for. May they see the faith of an older generation rise up.
May they learn what faith is about from an older generation. God, may they see the example and what to say and the way to live, their love, their faith, and their purity. Use us, Lord, as a church, as older generations, to see a younger generation find and follow you all the days of their life. We love you. In your name I pray, amen. We've kicked off to the other campuses, and so now it's just our time right here to respond, and we have many avenues to respond. You don't have to be a member of this church, but we do ask that you have a relationship with Jesus to participate in communion together. We'll have prayer warriors with you that will fight on your behalf. They've been praying up for this moment to pray for you. We have candles, and just a man, if you've got a face to fight for, would you light that and just begin to pray for that, that next generation? That, that name, that face. And we have ways to give as well, and I hear about that at the end of the service. But let's just respond together. What is God challenging you with? What's he said to you this morning? And what can we as a church and as a generation, an older generation, do about it?